the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? We can talk anything that you want to talk about. Um, good gosh. There's someone out there who I don't think any of you really care about, but he's in my world, so I bring him up. His name's Bill Gross. Um... He started a company called Pemco, and he was considered the Bond King. And he quit Pemco. Or was he going to be fired because of his increasingly erratic behavior? Um, it was announced this morning that he's leaving the firm that he founded, effective immediately, which is just strange. He's joining Janus Capital. Um, reporting is that Pemco employees gave an ultimatum that they were going to leave the firm if he didn't leave the firm. He was subject to increasingly unflattering Wall Street Journal articles. Um, him and Mohammed El Arian, uh, Pimco's CEO, co-CIO, uh, El Arian resigned in, from Pimco in January of this year. Um, sources, you know, told the newspaper, the Journal, that Gross referred to himself as secretary at the legendary racehorse. Um, Gross doesn't like his traders making eye contact or speaking with him. It's kind of an interesting world we live in at times, right? We can kind of get caught up in ourselves and to be referred to as the Bond King is probably, you know, pretty darn flattering, but at the same time, um, it just goes to say that there's a lot of egos in this industry that for better, or for worse, there's a lot of egos in this industry. And, uh, I guess in a strange kind of way, I, I kind of like seeing people taken down. Just like, you know, we all do, uh, whether it be sports figures. In this case, it's a Wall Street guy. It's it's an interesting story to see devolve. Stellar earnings report from Nike. Upbeat results uh, and guidance from Micron. Standard Poor's raised its rating on General Motors to an investment grade. These are all some of the headlines out this morning that, you know, push the market higher. 
Nike's particularly interesting because they get a lot of um, revenue from overseas. So we pay a lot of attention to Nike. Nike's not had a good year, but suddenly it's had a good year because it's up 10% today. Up 10% today. Like, there's a word that I'm not allowed to say on radio, but holy, you know, high heck. <laughs> you know, what do you say? Uh, up 10 percentage points today. So suddenly it's gone from having a flat year when the S&P 500's having a good year to having a good year just like the S&P 500's having. So that's interesting to see. Um, so there's some second quarter GDP, third estimates. It was revised to a 4.6 rating from a 4.2% rating. That's great economic growth. It doesn't hurt, but you know, considering we're days away from the end of the third quarter, who really cares about the second quarter at this point in time? But you know, it's a nice headline. It's nice to look back at history and say, ah, it was a good second quarter. Keep in mind, we had an awful first quarter because it was so cold. And people didn't shop. I know you're saying, that seems like forever ago. Aren't we moving into cold season again? We kind of are, aren't we? Um, so, sudden remarkable turn of events. Following, you know, Wednesday's rally. Yesterday, not so good. Today, considerably better. Um, that's Wall Street, my friends. <laughs> like, it is a yo, yo. Yo! Um, SP 500 is up 7, the Dow is up 92, NASDAQ's up 22. Um, what else do we have out here today as far as big stories go? Um, there were 12 reasons for the big sell off yesterday. Do you want me to name all 12? There was some forced selling. Russia's considered legislation would allow their government to seize foreign assets on its soil. There were concerns about China's central bank and, you know, who's in charge of it and who's going to take over for new leadership kind of plays. There was the Iraqi prime minister who suggested there's a plan in the works for terrorists to attack New York subways. U.S. officials later denied that. Yay! New York subways. Yay, that's happy. I don't know if a golf clap's in order. Ryder Cup starts today, or it started, I think, in the middle of the night last night. How much did I really care about it? Not at all. Um, Apple was a loser yesterday. So these are, like, reasons the market sold off, because Apple's a big part of the S&P 500 now, because it's a market-weighted index. Dallas Fed President Fisher made an excessive risk-taking in the high-yield space commentary. He warned that rates could go up sooner rather than later. Never mind that he said the same thing last week. The SP 500 was rallying to an all-time high. So yesterday was more important than last week, I guess. Um, SP 500 broke down on its 50-day moving average. So again, just a myriad of reasons why the market was weaker yesterday. But where are they today? There was into the quarter rebalancing out of stocks and into bonds on signs of weakening global economic activity. There was weak-handed long positions established during the buy-the-dip rally that were probably sold. Like again. This is all. Uh, Wall Street loves making up excuses. I mean, don't we all? Like, dog ate my homework. It starts early in our life. Later on in life, when you smell of cheap perfume and come home with glitter on your face, 
And your wife's like, why do you have glitter on your face? And you're like, dog in my homework. <laughs> Doesn't quite work quite as well. For those of you who like to partake in the glitter on the face, smelling of cheap perfume, <clears throat> strip clubs, um, may I highly, highly recommend baby wipes and ground coffee. Not ground coffee, but coffee beans. If you carry coffee beans, you can get the smell of anything off your body. And uh, baby wipes does a good job on the glitter. Not that I know, but just just saying, just saying. Um, the dollar continued to strengthen, raising concerns about multinationals' earnings growth prospects. Um, Thursday was Rosh Hashanah. Happy Rosh Hashanah, making thin trading conditions that could move stocks more easily. Never mind that the volume was above average. You know, for the record. I'm not Jewish, but I dated a Jewish lady once that every holiday she would sit down and tell me exactly what it meant, and it was the best thing in the world. Like, you know, I'd eat, not flatbread, but matzah, like, because the dough didn't rise in the desert, something like that. Like, I, I didn't really study, but she tried to teach me. Uh, but the dreidel game's an awesome game. For those of you who don't know, it's a game where you get to take away other kids' toys, and is there nothing better than taking away other children's toys? So anyway, um, highly recommend Jewish traditions and all about the family and big thumbs up. Um, with that said, Thursday was a bad day. Today doesn't look so bad, but we'll see where it goes. Things can quickly change when sentiment turns. Um, you know, strong dollar, weak dollar, strong economy, GDP. This is a very, very fickle market. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'll take a little bit of a break. I'll come back. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me on email, rob at robblackshow.com. That's rob at robblackshow.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. So I think I'm going to try to get two big concepts out this segment. First and foremost, um, I want to get everything, some thoughts that you need to know before you're 25, 30 years old as far as money goes, as far as investing goes. It's a concept. Your savings account isn't invested in anything, so you have to invest in something. You do not earn money on your savings. If you do, it's typically less than 1%, and that's not good enough. But your retirement savings are invested. So it's in a 401k, it's in an IRA, it's a 403b. Investments are one of the only ways to keep up with inflation, which typically averages about 3.8%. Uh, it lops off the value of your money. So you have to get growth by investing. Investing is always a risk. 
You can earn money, you can lose it, just because that's the name of the game. A security is a financial instrument. It's got a lot of jargon, security. But, you know, a security could be a stock, a bond, a CD. Securities are divided into debt securities, money owed to us, like a government bond, and equity securities, actual value that we own. Stocks are equity in a company. When you buy a stock, you're buying a tiny piece of the actual company. Not a lot, but you do have ownership. You can't buy, you know, 100 shares of Apple and go into Apple stores and fire people. But in theory, you are an owner. Bonds are loans to make, whether it be to a government or to a corporation. It's an IOU that you get your money back on, hopefully, usually. Diversification is a word that you need to learn. It means spreading your money out amongst different types of investments, i.e. not putting all your financial eggs in one basket. An ROI is return on investment. To get an idea of how your investments are performing, you calculate the ROI by dividing the investment gains by their costs. Probably you're going to be charged fees. That's part of the process in investing. Um, If you work with a financial professional, they'll be fee-based or fee-only. Online investment platforms are out there too. They've got their own fee structures. Mutual funds, ETFs also charge fees. So you don't have to pick stock by stock. You can go with what's called a mutual fund or an index fund. Um, An index fund reflects a specific stock index, such as the S&P 500. You typically can get tax breaks by investing through tax-deductible plans, sometimes uh, 401k, 403b, 457, or 529 plans. They're tax-advantaged. U.S. government doesn't let you have the money you, you make investing for free. When you cash it in, it's going to have capital gains tied towards it, capital gain taxes. If it's in a regular account, if it's in a retirement account, you won't have the capital gains. And that's the, one of the powers of the capital gain. That's one of the powers of investment vehicles. Um, some years aren't good. Most years are. Seven out of ten years, the markets are hitting new highs. Starting early is the biggest advantage you can have in investing because it lets you double your money every 7.2 years. Hot stocks probably aren't the best ticket to go after. Um, Trying to buy a little bit of everything is probably a little wiser than trying to buy one great thing. Your long-term strategy has nothing to do with the morning news, so stop paying attention to shows like this and CNBC. You don't need a morning documentary explaining investing to you every day. So you don't need to check every day on your portfolio. I check my portfolio probably four times a year. Um, Never invest money that you need soon. Um, If you need it in the next five years, it's not a good thing to invest. Investing is exactly that. It takes time and, and, you know, time. So if you were to say, let's invest in the future of our football team, you'd be like, well, we're going to draft a guy that's not going to be very good this year. But in the future, it was a good investment, right? So you get the idea. No one can predict the market reliably, so stop looking for people to do that. Um, past market behavior is not a reliable indicator of the future. I think that's you know one of the phrases that you hear all the time. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Consult a broker advisor for taking action in stocks mentioned on the show. Like You hear that, and it's true. Just because Netflix has hit an all-time high doesn't mean it'll hit an all-time high tomorrow. Um, You don't know what you don't know is probably the final piece of information I'll throw on out there is that you think you're smart. You think you've got it all. You think, like, I'm going to be this great investor and I'm going to do it all. Um, But you're wrong. So that's advice for people who are under 30. That's the basic rules of the game of investing. I want to tell you why I do this because, like, I just got an email from my sister. 
She goes, hope this letter finds you well. I want to tell you a little bit about mom. She started, um, she's got good days, she's got bad days. Um, she's got quite a hunch now, and she's developing a chatter in her jaw. My mom's 80. Um, she called me today at 3. She basically got the worst washing machine ever, according to her. In the middle of getting ready for my kid's fundraiser, my sister has kids. You know, she's got contractors in her house. I'm, she said that mom called her and said that she was upset that she got screwed and they really pulled one over on her and that her machine has no warranty. So she got there. First she tries to show my sister the piece of junk washing machine. I can't see that anything was wrong with it. I put my jacket in. It washed perfectly fine. It, you know, my mom thinks it doesn't clean. It's too noisy. No warranty. The instruction booklet wasn't long enough. The instruction booklet wasn't long enough. Okay, now you're starting to see the signs that my mom's starting to lose her mind, right? Um, she starts talking about how two colored delivery men um, stole her dryer that worked perfectly fine and replaced it with a new one. And I look at the dryer and it looks like the one that's been in the house forever. So if she doesn't have a new dryer, she thinks she does, and she thinks someone stole her old one. She's come, she uh, has the delivery company and she wants to call them and you know, my sister calls Home Depot because that's where they got the washer from. Not the dryer, but, you know, Home Depot's going to replace the washer for her. Usually appliances aren't returnable. Um, but in this case, they're doing it because my mom was distraught for whatever reason. Delivery company doesn't know anything about a stolen dryer. Um, but they're playing along, and my mom thinks it's been stolen and it's going to be smashed or whatever they do with stolen dryers. Um so she's upset, my mom. Uh, she's never going to get that original dryer back <laughs> that was stolen that wasn't stolen. She's going to hire an attorney. And even though hiring an attorney would cost her way more than a brand new dryer would cost her, she wants to hire an attorney. And again, because it was stolen, and, you know, my sister started, you know, yelling at my mom, you know, throwing F-bombs at her, that, telling her that she's crazy and that she's nuts. And like, that, uh, you know, she's wasting money and she's throwing stuff away. Like, uh, so my sister says to me, you know, I'm, she's probably going to hire an attorney and it doesn't make any sense. And it's the number one reason why she shouldn't be living by herself anymore. She pays people, you know, to barely shovel her snow, big hundreds of dollars. She gets screwed by having people come straightening her tree out by tying a rope around another tree and paying them hundreds of dollars. Uh, she's got some sort of issue with a, a ceiling fan. Um, just lack of common sense. So I bring that story up on top of the beginning to invest thing because in the end, you're probably going to lose your mind and think people steal your dryer and you're going to have loved ones around you to help you with financial decisions so that you don't get taken. And this is kind of painful for me to see my mom go through this. With that said, this is one of the reasons why you invest. I hope that makes sense. And I hope sharing it made a little sense to you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One area that I, you know, kind of bounce back and forth on at times is, you know, the value of talking technology, talking tech stories, you know, the bendable iPhone. Is that a big issue? So far, it hasn't really proven to be. Could it become one? It certainly could become an issue with quality for sure. Um, and it's something you always want to pay attention to is when does a company lose their way? Because it could happen. Um, you know, Google is a company that I, I like. Absolutely. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, it's a likable type of company, right? Um, but at the same time, I kind of want you to be cautious on Google because we've seen that the iPhone 6 is something people want, a big phone. A friend of mine showed me his last night, and it is kind of all that, right? All that in a bucket of chicken. There's a bit of a problem, though, is that, you know, what do you use your phone for now with mostly apps? On occasion, I still do a little bit of web surfing on my phone, but very, very, very little. Um, for instance, if I like reading short stories, there's not an app for reading short stories, but there's websites out there that have short stories. So I'll still go to that website and, you know, even on my phone, even though it's unbelievably difficult to read a website, uh, on a phone, I'll I'll still pull it off kind of thing. So apps, which is taking away the need for search, which is Google's bread and butter. Um, Google acquired YouTube in 2008. Um, I think that's one of those apps. It's a killer app. I think it's a must-have. Whether it's on your TV or on your phone, it's 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 good to have. YouTube's core business model has been advertising. Google did little dissuade investors that their intentions were any other than the business model of you know advertising, even on YouTube. Over the past six years, the advertising model has been developed to the YouTube of today where they'll put in-screen advertisements as well as pre-roll advertisements. Google's been quietly developing a new music distribution system as well, a service based upon YouTube, about which some rumors are starting to fly. It's different from Google Play streaming service, which already exists for Android, iPhone, and other internet-based devices. The Google Play music service, which costs $10 a month, allows access to all the music in the Google library for streaming, with the opportunity to purchase songs you like and add them to your library. So that's out there. Google Play Music Service allows you to import all the music you already own without charge and either add it to the streaming service or play it separately using the same interface. The YouTube Music streaming business is a different service, though, and it's likely that the two services will be available under one single subscription. So we're going to hear a little bit more about this right now. The YouTube streaming service will be the video equivalent of Google Play Music Service. Full video functionality on YouTube will be part of the streaming service. This means that artists can create videos to accompany their songs, something that's already done, but not in a streaming music video format. So trying to become the new MTV YouTube is. The value of linking video to songs in order to create hits, you know, was 
obvious with the history of MTV, right? I want my MTV. Do you remember the phrase, I want my MTV? It's, you would have to call your cable company and say, I want MTV. It revolutionized the industry. First song that was ever played on MTV was Video Killed the Music Star, or Video Killed the Radio Star, right? YouTube Music Streaming Service could be the modern equivalent of MTV. The importance of the Google Streaming Service will be become gigantic in the music industry. During its heyday, it was virtually impossible to have a hit single without having a hit music video as well. That was repeated again and again and again and again and again on MTV. Pay to play is what this is all about. The rumor in the music industry is this, that musicians who are signed, meaning that they have a distribution agreement with a record company, even if it's independent label, will have a choice to participate in the Google streaming service. Musicians must agree to offer new songs in the Google service before releasing the song elsewhere. Signed musicians who do not agree to participate will have their music and videos removed from YouTube. How's that for being a bully, huh? YouTube's no longer going to be available as a free distribution platform for musicians who have a signed distribution agreement with any other organization that distributes music, whether the distribution is digital or not. In other words, they're basically being bullies. Um, Radiohead's Ed O'Brien filed a complaint in the UK with the European Commission about the terms of the agreement. So it's already starting to get like just, just massive pushback. In order to see new music videos, you must pay as a subscriber. Artists, however, in order to participate in the streaming service and share in the revenue, must agree to a distribution agreement with Google. It's here where Google is attempting to put the music distribution control genie back in the bottle. So no YouTube presence if you don't sign. Now, I love YouTube, and there'll be nights where I just sit around and, you know, uh, with that special woman in your, in your life that you just say, what song do you like? 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 And you kind of like play it back and forth. Like, it's really romantic. It's a nice thing to do. Um, major music companies have already signed on, and the artists don't like it. It doesn't appear that Google's going to attempt to permit musicians without any signed distribution agreements with independent labels will be prevented from posting their music. But those artists generally do not create music videos because of the cost, and generally they don't represent much of a monetary threat. So what this all boils down to is Google's trying to recreate a distribution system for music videos that will put the power of control back in the distribution system and back in the music industry's hands. And what the great thing about the Internet is that it's free for all and anyone could post, and anyone, you know, goes away. Google's attempt to control distribution by removing music videos from artists that don't participate in the Google streaming music service looks like an attempt to, you know, gain control. Trying to reconstruct Humpty Dumpty, so to speak. So the acceptance of the monthly subscription model by the younger generation may allow Google to succeed at this. After all, there's no other video-based service like YouTube on the same scale. But this will open the door for other music video services that do want to distribute for free uh, versus that paid model. Again, I enjoy watching videos. Uh, to this day, I like seeing, um, not only do I like seeing the hipsters, but I like hearing the hipsters. But I kind of want to see what the band looks like, too. And this goes back to, you know, Google. One thing that they do really, really well is is YouTube. They do search really, really great. But here's a situation where they're going to exclude people, which is, it's going to be interesting to see if it works. Um, a new MTV for kids keep in mind beats there's a lot of people who want to there's a lot of companies that want to say we're the new mtv um vimeo um oh, this is nice 
The iPhone 6 is a Dream, a review by Steve Kovach. Every month I publish a list on the best smartphones in the world. I test a lot of phones, says the reviewer. All shapes and all sizes. Over four years of doing this job, I estimate I've at least tried 100. I now have a really good sense of what works for most people. And he refers to the iPhone as a dream. Um, and he says, my only beef with the design of the camera, which pokes out from the back, Apple is obsessed with thinness, but the obsession results in a slight camera bulge from the frame. The device can rock a bit if you place it on, flat on its back. I doubt most people will notice or care, but it bothers the snoot like me. Who refers to themselves as a snoot? Anyhow, I think you get that idea. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Here's a, a, a thought that you probably didn't think about. And um, as an investor, like you can invest in casinos. You can invest in casinos. Casinos make a lot of money, right? You see a lot of people go to casinos, throw good money down the rat hole, so to speak. Um, but now Vegas is starting to get more and more revenue, no longer from gaming. Back in 1970, 60% of the revenues in Vegas came from gaming. Today, just 37%. Uh, rooms, 25%. Food and beverage, 23%. And other, 14%. So investing in Sin City has changed. And again, it's some of it's you know supply expansion. Um, some of it is you know clearly a shift to trying to beyond become beyond a casino market driven by convention shows, hotel rooms, and savvy marketing. Um, the food in Vegas, I adore the food in Vegas. It's kind of interesting, right? You build a city in the middle of a desert, and people will come. And I don't know. I'm kind of a foodie, bit of a snob, right? And that's okay. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Taking a look at the markets, we have an up day, which is only interesting because yesterday was such a horrible day, and the day before was such a nice day. It's like, what what are we going to get today when we show up for the market? Nike had a blowout quarter. Um, I highly recommend people use any weakness to acquire shares of Nike. And you had some weakness because it didn't do anything this year when the market was up. And now the stock's up 10% today. 10%, that's a stunner. Um, I don't know. I think we have two things that are happening in the markets right now. We have a shift to a stronger dollar and four-year high on the dollar. And we also have that When's the Fed going to raise interest rates? It looks like 2015 for sure. Is it going to be in early 2015, like the Fed's hinting? Are they just hinting to get us ready for it in mid-year 2015? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. On the iHeartRadio app. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Except for the Ryder Cup. It's not that into golf being played overseas at 2 in the morning. I know I'll probably get up for the World Cup matches overseas, but just can't get myself up for golf overseas. We have football here in the United States. Voice of David Lillianstein. How are you, David? I'm doing well, Rob. Thanks for having me back. How, how would we describe you? Uh, I'm six feet tall. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm an attorney, as you know, Rob. Yep. Uh, and uh, my firm uh, is an insurance bad faith boutique law firm. We sue insurance companies when they don't pay claims. You know, people buy an insurance policy, they pay premiums for years, and when the time comes to make a claim, you're entitled to the coverage you bought. As the lawyers like to say, you should get the benefit of the bargain. And when the insurance company chooses not to give you that benefit of the bargain, that's where we come in. So people can call up with questions if they're so inclined to get an attorney on air. We could talk general stuff on insurance, healthcare, earthquake insurance, prob, uh, prop 45, prop 46, uh, which I don't really know much about. So we'll get through these topics as the show goes on. But to give you an example of insurance and areas of concern, um, I'm always stunned by what little coverage healthcare insurance actually is. Uh, because anytime I go through a medical emergency with you know, me or people that I love, um, it's a lot of out of, my, out of pocket expenses and trying to get the insurance company, you know, to explain in human terms what coinsurance is. Like, I know what a deductible is, right? Yeah. But then you get into coinsurance and it's like, they won't even explain to you what it means. They have so many insurance products out there. And look, insurance is like a huge supermarket. There are a million different kinds of policies out there. Everyone's is different and everyone's uh, policy or the way they do these policies is so they obviously, the insurance company, can make as much money as possible from the premiums and pay out as little as they can. So where, whether it's coinsurance, whether it's your deductible, whether you have a health savings account, they create all these uh, what I would call fictions, uh, except it's not so much of a fiction when you have to pay out of your pocket and you get a denial letter saying, I'm sorry, we're not going to pay for that. You have to pay for that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm starting to think like a health savings account is a better way to go than actually having insurance. And I'm financially stable as far as a human being goes, mentally speaking. I'm starting not to trust health insurance. I, I, am I the only one out there or is this a common theme that you see or not so much? Well, as I like to say, you know, everything is fine until it happens to you. Um, you know, people think health insurance is, is great in this country, and for the most part, uh, people are content. 80 to 90% of Americans, according to a recent poll, are satisfied with their particular health plan. They think the system might not work, but they like their plan. They think Congress doesn't work, but they like their congressman, until you have a problem with your insurance company. And those are the cases I see. You know, insurance companies love to deny first and make you ask questions later. And look, it's not just individuals. I went to my doctor uh, the other day for my annual physical, and he started, when he found out what I did, he started wailing on all these insurance companies. He doesn't get paid. He has to have two staff people just to get claims paid. Hospitals, <clears throat> excuse me, hospitals have to have staff people just to get paid by the insurance company. It is a racket. It's a nightmare when it doesn't work for you. Uh, when it does, everything is smooth. Most people 
have their claims paid. But when the insurance company says no, when your care gets a little more expensive, that's often when you run into problems. Yeah, I just seem it. It seems almost like a bait and switch. Like they're they'll almost say like you've got twenty mental health visits, and then you go and they're like, well, that's actually not covered because he took a spouse, or that's actually not covered because uh, that falls into a different category. So we're only going to cover fifteen percent of that two hundred dollar an hour. It's like ah, it's just kind of like. Yeah, that has 20 visits. Well, there's that. There's in-network versus out-of-network. If you go to their doctor, then they'll pay a lot of it. If you go somewhere else, uh, then you, they pay almost nothing. Even if they don't have that kind of coverage in in-network, you don't have a choice but to go out of network. Well, guess what happens? You still have to pay for it unless you fight them. And that's the point, and that's what we do. Mental health coverage, perfect example. The law says that an insurance company has to offer equal benefits for physical illness as opposed to mental health illness. If you <clears throat> have cancer, something horrible, you have to go to the hospital for weeks on end or months on end, that's all covered. But if you have mental health problem and you have to go into a mental health institution for the equivalent period of time, there's a lot of policies that say, sorry, we're not going to pay. The problem is that's against the law. Yeah. How's business doing at DL Law Group? <clears throat> business at the DL Law Group is booming. Uh, we have so many uh, great people who call us who have problems that we'd like to help. Uh, we work with other great attorneys on other <clears throat> on other types of issues that sort of have insurance. <clears throat> I have a throat issue today. Um, who have insurance, uh, sort of tangential insurance issues. So uh, business is booming. Unfortunately, insurance companies are doing uh, so amazingly well that they're sort of emboldened to deny these claims, force people to get attorneys, knowing most people won't get an attorney, feel they can't fight City Hall, and just go away. What's one of the common themes you're seeing right now coming to your office as far as, is there a common theme? Well, the common theme is an insurance denial, um, but I see more and more people who have to send in more and more paperwork. They sent in the paperwork once, the insurance company says, well, we didn't get that paperwork, could you send it again? Or I see insurance companies who use outside parties to review people's claims and make a decision. The outside parties spend maybe five minutes on your claim. You may have years and years of history, but they'll look at it for five minutes and decide, nah, I don't think you need coverage. Happens all the time. It's David Lillianstein. You can find him at DLLawGroup.com. It's DLLawGroup.com. We'll keep him for the next hour. Talk issues tied towards healthcare, earthquake insurance, Prop 45, Prop 46. What's the story there? Uh, basically everything in the world of insurance and why you wouldn't potentially need an insurance attorney. He's a good guy. He's a guy I trust. He's a guy I've worked with numerous times on my personal issues. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network. 
presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Focusing in on your wealth, creating it, as well as managing it, as well as protecting it. Joining me today, the one and the only David Lillianstein. David, for audience, tell everyone briefly what you do for a living. Uh, I am the owner of a uh, boutique law firm called the DL Law Group. We do insurance bad faith and insurance type work. We represent the policyholders. We do not defend the insurance companies. We go after the insurance companies. We make sure people's claims get paid. We give advice. We give free advice all the time. How do I fight my insurance company? We'll help you. You've given free advice to at least two of my friends and family members, so I always appreciate that. You've helped me numerous times, even on weekends, when uh, I kind of extend myself a little too far into some problem areas of the world. Um, with that said, good guy. You can find him at dllawgroup.com. It's dllawgroup.com. One of the things about insurance companies, and from a financial perspective, to me, stocks, they're all mathematical. They you know, it's all probability. You get term life insurance, they know you're probably not going to die in that term. Um, you get whole life, they basically charge you your whole life, and they make their money that way. Like, it's all mathematical. They're not stupid companies. Uh, would you tend to agree that it's all mathematical to them? Absolutely. Um, they have their actuarial analyses, and, yeah, they know, they know the likelihood of you getting hit by a bus tomorrow. They know the likelihood of you living forever. Um, but they also make mistakes, and that's where the problems really arise. Back in, back in the late 80s, late no, early 90s, for example, when interest rates were really, really high, insurance companies uh, in the disability area decided they would offer these great disability policies, guaranteed renewable, non-cancelable, low premiums, high benefits. They wanted to get the money because interest rates were high and they were making a lot of money uh, on their investments. And then guess what? People started getting hurt. They started getting disabled. They started filing claims, and the insurance companies started losing money. So what did they do? We have the records. We did those cases. I've litigated these cases. They started denying legitimate claims because they decided they needed to deny one claim at least for every dollar they had to pay out. Completely illegal. They got busted for it. They stopped it. But it all started because the actuarial people were a little off on that one. And actuarial people can be off. Like, there's sometimes acts of God. Like, you know, sometimes a hurricane comes in and destroys a whole town. That The odds of that happening twice in a row, never. But then it happens twice in a row to the same town. And uh, mathematics sometimes fails these guys. To give you an example of how mathematical they are, um, I got into a rear, I was rear-ended being 25 years ago. Um, and my brother Dave is a personal injury attorney. I said, how much am I going to get out of this? He said, no more, no less, $3,000. Uh, next sprain or next strain is $3,000. You'd have to get diagnosed with something more to get more. You'd have to get diagnosed with something less to get less. It's all about the diagnosis. Well, and these insurance, especially when it comes to automobile uh, type injuries, uh, yeah, they have programs. There are companies out there, very, very powerful, talented, smart companies that create 
programs that insurance companies buy, and they just click it in. What was the car? What was the accident? What was the injury? What are the doctor's bills? And it clicks out a number, and that's what they'll offer you. And if you don't like it, go ahead and sue them. Uh, they've been sued on these things. One is called Colossus. Great name for a program that's, that helps insurance companies lowball people. Uh, but, uh, yeah, these insurance companies, they know exactly how much they're going to pay. and they, ha- they really do have it down to a science. And it's pretty interesting to note, um, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Starbucks umbrella fell on her shoulder. And uh, that took a long time because the number that she and her attorney wanted were different than what Starbucks attorneys wanted. And it took a long, long time. It was very frustrating. Um, so they can sometimes wait you out, so to speak. They can absolutely wait you out. Look, one size does not fit all. Some people, so the, the same injury to one person can be a lot worse than injury to another. Some people will lose a lot of work. Some people won't lose any work at all. Uh, you know, I've, sometimes I've been hurt and I go back to work the same day. Other people might not be able to do that. Uh, and yeah, the insurance company knows that time, just like the Rolling Stones, is on their side. And if they wait and wait and wait, and finally they dangle a little bit of money in front of you, you're so exhausted from fighting them, you don't want to keep this going, you'd like to have the money now, you will almost always take less today than wait around for the potential for more tomorrow. They know it, they wait you out, and then they settle for pennies on the dollar, uh, and you walk away angry, upset, but you have your money and you move on. I've got a neighbor who signed up for the Affordable Care Act the same month that she was giving birth. And that's turned out to be a, a nightmare scenario for her where the hospital says she has 10000 And she's like, pass it on to a mama. Like, he's supposed to be paid for this. Um, how's the Affordable Care Act being implemented? Well, I, I would love to hear people's stories about that because um, I was talking to some, some random people. I'd never met them before. And one person said, uh, a bartender actually, that his premiums um, almost doubled. Somebody else said, you know, it didn't affect me at all. Um, I've talked to a lot of people. I think people are generally happy with it. Let's take out the hysteria. Let's take out all the stuff you hear on the 24-hour news shows and all that kind of stuff. The fact is, uh, what, 7 million people now have signed up under Obamacare. 4 million people who were not insured before have now have health insurance. Here we are in the richest, best country in the world, and we have that many people who didn't have health insurance. I think that is a huge success that we cannot deny. The other big part of Obamacare, to me, is the pre-existing condition issue. Before, insurance companies could say, yeah, we're going to insure you, except for the one thing that really hurts you. Uh, We're not going to pay for that. Under Obamacare, insurance companies have to cover pre-existing conditions. That is huge. And I think the other important thing about uh, the Affordable Care Act uh, is that premiums have not really gone up the way they were going up before. There was all, the, all these cries, look what's going to happen. Your premiums are going to skyrocket. Everybody's going to be broke, this and that. No, not really. Most people's premiums have not gone up. All that hype, all that hysteria, all those prognostications of you know bad things happening didn't really play out. So I think on balance... Uh, the Affordable Care Act has been a success. We hear about all the bad stuff. The media loves to talk about all the bad stuff over and over and over again. Uh, and the other thing is, certainly around here in the Bay Area, I don't think most people changed their policies at all. Some people did, of course, but for the most part, if you have, uh, if you're employed, if you have health care through your employer, often it didn't change at all. With that said. Um it has created a scenario where there's more insurance companies 
you know, dallying in business and people's business. Uh, are you seeing any pickup in activity of, of wrongdoing by health insurance companies? Uh, it seems like the, uh, the the quantity of people who contact my firm with problems is higher. Um, I'm not sure if that's because there are more people covered or because people are getting more and more upset with these nickel and dime type denials. Yeah. And finally, they're saying, look, I want to do something about it. I talk to people all the time. I can't help them. Uh, you were saying something a lot uh, earlier. The, ins- the the lawyer's fees is way more than the pres- the value of the prescriptions that they need covered or whatever it is. Um, but I, I like that people get up and try to fight these insurance companies. I like that people are saying, no, I'm not going to take uh, a claim denial without fighting it. I'm going to appeal it. I'm going to appeal it again. I'm going to talk to an attorney. I'm going to do everything I can to get this covered coverage uh, paid by the insurance company because, look, I pay my premiums. That's why I have an insurance policy. I want to get this paid, and I'm going to do what I can to get it paid, and I'll ask whoever I need to ask. I feel jaded on the healthcare industry. We'll talk about earthquakes. We'll talk about much, much more in the world of insurance. If you want to drop me an email, it's rob at robblackshow.com. You can find David at dllawgroup.com. It's dllawgroup.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Talking about wealth, creating it, managing it, protecting it. There's a lot of ways to do that. Stock market clearly is a great wealth builder, but you know, having the right types of insurance could prevent a financial disaster. Joining me today, David Lillianstein from DL Law Group, dllawgroup.com. Let's get a quick phone call in, see if this works. Bill and Hayward. Uh, Rob, morning. Thank you for taking my call. Morning. Uh, something struck me when you were talking with your guest about uh, uh, most people not being affected by the, the new health care regulations. I'm a union grocery worker here in the Bay Area, and uh, the last time that uh, our, our contract came up, we were told by our union representatives that our plan was changing because of the new health care regulations, and they sure did. Our policy uh, no longer conformed from what we were told, and since then, our, our premiums are much higher. Uh, we pay way more in deductibles and co-pays than we were before, and we were told that because of uh, – that's what we were told because of the Affordable Care Act. So I just thought you should know about that because that was tens of thousands – of grocery workers here in the Bay Area being affected. Well, you know, we, I appreciate knowing that. You know, there's a lot of stories out there, and often um, you don't hear about those stories. You don't hear about the people whose plans had to change. Um, I always question uh, what the employer is doing or what the union is doing. Is Obamacare being used as a scapegoat because premiums actually did go up, or are the employers through the unions? just deciding, here's a new contract, we now want the workers to pay more. 
I think unions have had a huge problem, uh, corporations in general, but unions have had a huge problem. A lot of contract negotiations now focus on how much the employees are going to pay for health care. And as health care rates go up, the employers want to shift those increases onto the backs of the workers. And the workers in their uh, collective bargaining don't want to suddenly have a new contract where they're paying so much more for insurance. I don't know if that's the case in your your particular instance, or the caller's particular instance. Um, yeah, the Affordable Care Act is far, far from perfect. Uh, I wish it were perfect. I wish the insurance industry and the delivery of health care in this country were perfect. It is not. Um, but thanks for the call. We appreciate it, and we'll certainly keep that in mind when we talk about Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act in the future. One of the things that I've noticed is, uh, like you said, it is corporations, you know, using the the scenario for typically for their advantage. Uh, I've seen a lot of companies pass on healthcare costs, um, trying to cut their own costs in the process. So interesting to note. Um, but you know what's interesting was when he was talking, I didn't really feel compassion for him because my healthcare sucks, and I've got great healthcare, and it's like we're all in this. It's if it feels like we're all sinking. It seems like we're all getting less for more. We are getting less for more, and uh, costs go up. I mean, the, the level of increase of premiums over the years has so far outpaced inflation. It's crazy. I mean, how do they get away with that? Who are, who are the regulators here? Now, you know, some people don't like a lot of regulation. I don't like a lot of regulation all the time. But when it comes to insurance rates, uh, it's not a fair marketplace. These insurance companies have all the power. Who's out there? One of the propositions, actually, we'll maybe talk about later, talks about who oversees the approval of rate increases. Uh, and under Affordable Care Act, apparently, the numbers say that insurance premiums have gone up less over the past year or so than they went up in the years prior to the Affordable Care Act. Some might say that's because the insurance companies did all their increases beforehand, uh, or the other alternative is the Affordable Care Act has actually helped uh, stem the great, great increase in premiums. Um, but yeah, you know, health insurance in this country, no one has a good solution. I hear a lot of naysaying. I hear a lot of uh, votes to uh, uh, repeal Obamacare in favor of what? The system as it was before? I don't think so. Shh, give me a good answer. It's not necessarily Canada. It's not necessarily the single payer. But it's certainly not a system where insurance companies are making out like bandits, denying claims, forcing people to appeal their claims, uh, and raising premiums. If someone has the answer, please call in. Here's my answer. Let's see, if it, let's see how quick you shoot this one down. Because I don't usually have an intelligent person sitting across from me, so I could usually get away with saying anything I want. Um, I think we should, we should stop doing health insurance uh, pretty much so across the board, except for heart attacks, cancers, and truly things that you need to insure against. Um, right now, if I have a heart attack, it's going to be fifty dollars to $100,000 in health care cost. I truly need to insure against that. But I'm going to go to my doctor next week, and he's going to do the old you know, colon check on me. And uh, I can probably negotiate with him. Like, hey, what's you know, 10 minutes of your time worth? $200? You know, I, I would save money if I were to negotiate the lower cost issues versus the higher cost issues. I, I would clearly lose money if I had a heart attack, but I think we insure the things that we can't afford to lose. I, I don't think we need to insure you know, a doctor visit. I don't think we need to insure a, a flu shot. And yet it's all covered in, in insurance. I think it's too encompassing. Well, as a semi-intelligent person sitting across from you, um, yes, I would. I have a lot of reactions to that. Uh, you know, first off, 
for a lot of people, all they have now is catastrophic health care, and there are plenty of those policies out there. Um, and yeah, but what happens is people will opt not to get care. And is that a good way to have a society operate where people are afraid to go for health care because they can't afford it? Uh, I think that's a potential problem. I don't know that the Wild West of everybody negotiating their own rate with their doctor uh, is necessarily the way to go. Um, uh, but I'm mostly concerned about and, and then the preventive care element. You know, people should arguably, the studies show, if you listen to all those Kaiser Permanente ads, um, getting the preventive care early can prevent something later on. Let's take cancer. If you can get that colonoscopy and find out that maybe there's something bad there and you get that treated now, nip it in the bud early, you avoid a much, much, much bigger bill and loss of productivity and future health problems. Uh, if something goes uh, unchecked or you just don't even know it's there because you choose not to get that preventive care. When did insurance companies make their way into the, the equation? 30s, 40s? When did that start happening? Well, the, H, uh, the, HMO, uh, the, a, the HMO, the Health Maintenance Organization, that was really um, back during the, uh, the 80s, the Reagan administration. Okay. Kaiser, Kaiser Permanente uh, is a product, uh, the HMO, the Kaiser model, uh, started in about the 80s, and that uh, was the beginning of "quote unquote" managed healthcare. That's when it all started. Interesting company that I work for here, Salem. Like you've mentioned, uh, preventative care. Uh, you can see your rates incredibly lower if you play along and like do 3,000 steps a day and don't eat fast food and weigh yourself. And if you play along now with the healthcare companies, they're willing to slash your rates, which Preventative care is going to become a bigger, bigger issue going forward. Well, I think that's right. And I think, you know, one answer to the problem is if you're a smoker, absolutely, you should pay more. Your premium should be higher. If you're overweight, simply not because you have a health problem, because you're just overweight, you should pay more. They should be able to essentially punish people for unhealthy lifestyles so the burden of the care doesn't get shifted on those people who do try to live a healthy lifestyle and do the preventive care and take care of themselves, take care of their bodies. A lot of hyperactive mouth gland listeners are mad at you all of a sudden. <laughs> They're blaming the, their, the glands and not on the, their eating disorder. Anyway, it's David Lillianstein. You can find him at dllawgroup.com. It's dllawgroup.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Rob Black and your money. You can find me online at robblack.com. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Joining me today is David Lillianstein. He is an attorney tied towards insurance companies. Uh, does not represent them. He represents you. He's kind of a, a man of the people, as I like to say. A um, couple of things that you know we wanted to talk about today include Proposition 45 and Proposition 46. What are they and what do we need to know? So we have two ballot initiatives, all uh, that uh, address in, insurance or have permutations that impact insurance. Prop 45 
uh, it's sometimes it's so hard to know what's really going on. When you hear these ads, you have a lot of money behind them, and I'm always skeptical of the ads. I'm skeptical of the initiative process to, to begin with. My attitude is, unless you know specifically that you support one initiative over another, vote no. The initiative process has been so perverted over the years. It's special interests, getting their interests out there, creating an organization that sounds good. Californians for better living. You know, who doesn't want better living? I want better living. Sure, I'll vote for this one. But there's some special interest behind it that is hard to find out if you don't have the time to look it up. For example, Prop 45. Prop 45 deals with how do you control insurance company rates? Well, this proposition will give that power to the insurance commissioner. It's a great idea when the insurance commissioner uh, is someone who is on sort of the consumer's side, but insurance commissioners come and insurance commissioners go. Uh, our insurance commissioner right now, Dave Jones, is great, probably the best insurance commissioner we've had since I've been in this business. Um, but earlier we had Chuck Quackenbush. Remember that guy? He took campaign contributions and paid for his kids' football. Um, you got to watch out for it. I think that it makes sense for the insurance commissioner to con- to be able to control insurance rates. The one thing we need to do is tell insurance companies, no, sorry, you're not going to be able to raise your rates 10 or 20 or 30%. The answer is no. And when you send that kind of message, maybe they won't try to increase your rates that much. So I would, I tend to like the idea behind Prop 45. When you look at the companies, the corporations who are who are against it, that sort of tells you what you need to know. But you know what? You're going to get that voter's guide. Read it. Read the the arguments for it. Read the arguments against it. And look who's giving the money. Follow the money. Such such a great piece of advice on just about anything, especially when it comes to politics. Prop 46, very interesting one. That concerns medical malpractice. They uh, it the ads that you hear on TV want to attack the trial lawyers. This is a trial lawyer. This a trial lawyer. That no, not really. The issue is medical malpractice. It's another one of those things where it's always good until it happens to you. Right now, if your doctor does something wrong and hurts you, ends up making a baby not born, ends up debilitating you. The maximum amount of damages you could get if you file a lawsuit is $250,000. It's been that way for decades. How much? $250,000. Sounds like a lot of money until it happens to you. What this initiative is trying to do is bring that rate up now in line with inflation to a maximum cap of a million dollars. You hear in these ads, well, it's going to make the lawyers rich and jury verdicts and this and that. When was the last time you heard of a big jury verdict? The last time I heard of one is that big McDonald's uh, jury verdict everybody likes to talk about. How many? That's like, what, 10, 20 years ago now? Um, that's not the issue. Uh, what happened in this initiative is they've now instituted this thing about testing doctors, drug testing doctors. They've really pissed off a lot of people by inserting that into the initiative. What happens in medical care is that it's usually the same doctors who cause the same problems. I don't know how many times I've talked to someone who had a medical problem and the hospital or the doctor tried to cover it up. Might not be a bad problem, might be just a little one. Uh, There are doctors out there who do bad work. And when they do bad work, you get hurt. And if you believe that the criminal justice system and the civil justice system is there to protect people, then you should be voting yes on Prop 46 because it, it takes away these artificial 
ceilings on potential damages. And don't believe the hype. Don't believe that this is going to make your insurance rates go up. There are plenty of other states in the country who have raised the caps for medical malpractice, and it had no impact on insurance rates at all. My brother David is a personal injury attorney, or was a personal injury attorney, and now he does more corporate stuff. Uh, but when his wife was pregnant, he went into the doctor and saw what he does. Doctor saw what he does for a living. He was like, "So when do you want your C-section?" Um, there was just going to be there was no talk of actually having a, a natural birth. Uh, doctor would have nothing to do with it because of potential, you know, malpractice and lawsuits tied towards. It. Do you ever see that happen? Like, is that common that lawyers get kind of ripped off, kind of just because their name precedes them per se? Well, you know, we live for the past, you know, 10, 20 years. Trial lawyers this, trial lawyers that. Yeah, a lot of people love to bash lawyers. And let's be clear, there are some pretty bad lawyers out there. There are lawyers who will take your money and rip you off just like any other business anywhere else. So you have to be wary. Get a lawyer you know. Get one from word of mouth. Check them out on the Internet. You know, check them out. You don't, you know, if you're going to go to a doctor, you probably check out your doctor to make sure your doctor is good and other people like them. Well, you should be doing the same with, with your lawyer. But once again, it's always okay until it happens to you. You can bash trial lawyers. I don't know how many times I've uh, had someone call me and said, you know, yeah, you try you insurance lawyers. You, sh- you sue insurance companies. You guys are just evil. I knew you were bad and as bad as can be. And then I filed a claim. Then I got treated the same way you guys talk about people getting treated. Now I'm on your side. Yeah. Things can change pretty quickly. Absolutely. And, um, you know, having gone through numerous issues with uh, health insurance, it's it's frustrating. Um, it's just the whole process just seems geared against the consumer. And uh, stay online and wait and get turned down and refile, resubmit. Like, I didn't know, like, Blue Cross Blue Shield, you can file a claim with Blue Shield and Blue Cross. If you have Blue Cross Blue Shield, I was, I was like, I thought it was just my Regents insurance company who I filed the claim with. <laughs> nope. So processing paperwork twice pays off sometimes. You, you, uh, squeak a wheel gets the grease, as they say. You know, you have to fight them. You have to push back. If you don't push back, um, that denial is going to stand. And it's the people who call us, the people who want to push back, even just a little bit, uh, who have the doctors who are willing to push back. Those claims will get paid. It might take some time. You might not want to spend the time to do it. You might not think you should have to spend the time to do it. But if you do, very often you'll succeed. Um, let's talk a little earthquake insurance. Obviously, I had a big earthquake up in Napa not too long ago. A uh, good friend of mine works at Crown and Mark Dan and said it was like waking up in the movie The Exorcist. He said his bed was jumping up and down off the floor. Like he said his kid was screaming. Just you know, He thought if it lasted another second or two, his house was coming down. Um, but no major damage. So, and his wine all survived. Well, then everything's okay. I remember that earthquake very well. I felt it, uh, and, and I was excited by it. It was, it was, it was sort of cool. I was in San Francisco, and uh, uh, you know, th- that place was not shaking the way probably Mark Dannon's place shook. Yeah. Um, so I sort of let a little whoopee and, 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 and had a great time. But uh, earthquake insurance is a huge problem. It's a perfect example of how the insurance industry is able to lessen their risk. They offer all these great insurance policies, but on the one thing that might actually negatively impact them, they say, no, we're not going to offer earthquake insurance. Uh, We're going to make you go through the state, the government. You can get a government-type plan uh, for earthquake insurance uh, that they have to give. Um, Even if the insurance company ultimately pays for it, your premiums are going to double. Double. Your premiums are going to – who is going to double their premiums? for a potential once-in-a-lifetime 
uh, problem. If you live on a San Andreas fault, okay, maybe you should do that. If you live in the marina district in San Francisco that you know is on landfill and you know if there's a little shaker, you're going to have some problems, yes, you should get it. But most people are going to roll the dice. Do you have earthquake insurance? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Nope. I don't have earthquake insurance. Uh, the other problem with earthquake insurance is the deductible. You have these incredibly high deductibles. Oh, yeah, the first $100,000 or $200,000. Who has that kind of money to spend? You know, the land is what's important. If my house falls down, you know, I'll put up a tent and live in it for a while. I'll come over. Okay. <laughs> we'll watch Sharks games together. We'll, we'll watch Sharks games. Drink expensive scotch. Yes. So... Uh, on our on our electronic devices. Yeah, isn't it kind of like um, hurricanes and reinsurance and th- that whole industry like, is is having problems. The insurance industry is not perfect. Um, a lot of reinsurance companies have gone out of business because they can't you know cover those kind of catastrophic losses when it's a whole city. Well, I think and and now that we talk, you can debate whatever you want about global warming and the causes behind it. But the fact is, our weather is having more extremes now. These storms are always worse than the year before. The intensity of these storms is getting worse. So, yeah, I think the whole industry has to reevaluate how it does its business and how it protects itself for these losses. Um, You talk about reinsurance. I think that's a a great point to raise. A lot of people don't realize that insurance companies insure their policies. So just because there is an earthquake or a hurricane or a tornado or whatever it is, don't cry for the insurance company because they're paying another insurance company to spread their risk. These are very, very smart uh, people when it comes to money, the actuarial people. They are going to make sure that their risk is is as little as can be, especially in the face of a catastrophic uh, type event, like an earthquake, hurricane. Um, often, you know, you think State Farm, oh my gosh, look at all these all these claims. Well, Guaranteed State Farm has reinsurance, and there's another insurance company who is shouldering some of that burden in terms of paying claims. How should people contact you? DL Law Group, www.dllawgroup. Look us up online. Email us, staff at dllawgroup.com, staff at dllawgroup.com. We will always talk to you. We'll have a look, and we'll give you a very frank and honest opinion of what you need to do. Thanks very much. It's David Lillianstein. You can find him again at dllawgroup.com. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Find me online at robblack.com. Thanks again, Rob. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with David Lillianstein. He's done some legal work for me in the past. He's given advice to friends and family in the past, uh, typically free of charge over his weekend, over the you know weeknight. He always gets back to you. Really good, solid guy. Um, hockey fan, which I think is a plus in this day and age. Uh, Bay Area, not a Bay Area native, but you kind of are a Bay Area you know, establishment now, for I, sure. I've been here long enough. I'm as native as just about anybody else I know. It's funny to think about how we first met. 
uh, through a mutual friend. So, once, once upon a time. Then a real friendship comes out of that kind of pseudo-friendship. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm pleased to know you. Um, talking about insurance issues, one of the things that we really haven't hit upon today is um, we hit earthquake insurance pretty good, and we've hit healthcare insurance pretty good. What are some of the other areas that you tend to find insurance companies sometimes don't act in the best interest of their consumers? Well, I would have to say uh, certainly the auto insurance world is 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 a big problem because um, sometimes when I talk to people, they're very concerned about insurance fraud, and in the auto world, there is a lot of insurance fraud going on. So insurance companies do deny claims. I think they deny claims um, with impunity uh, and, again, force people to fight and fight and fight. But on the other hand, I think there is good reason to be skeptical of some insurance claims So uh, in the automobile world. That's one issue. Uh, you have to have automobile insurance. That's the law. Uh, do you get the minimum? Do you get more? That just depends on what your net worth is. The more money you have, obviously, the more you need to be covered. Uh, I tend to get a lot of insurance in the auto because it seems to me grossly inadequate to have like a hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's yeah. The limit, the limits in California are so low. It's, it's almost a joke. Any accident that, that or anybody gets hurt, you, no one's going to have enough insurance. Uh, one of the coverages you can get from your insurance company is uh, underinsured uh, motorist insurance. That means that if you get into an accident and the person who hits you doesn't have enough insurance, your insurance will pick up the difference. Underinsured insurance. A very, very good idea, especially in this day and age. I even go as far as I have an umbrella policy because I just, I, one of the ways I could lose my wealth is be sued. Um, you know, the old joke is I would lose all my wealth if I hit a car full of four attorneys. Like, that's the worst case scenario. And uh, my brother Dave taught me some advice. If you ever, you know, hit someone and they're living, he said, put it in reverse and kill them. Because in the insurance world, a dead body's worth a lot less than a disabled body. And that's just, it's sick. But that's the mathematics of it. It's wonderfully sick. I agree. You know, we also do uh, at the DL Law Group, we do a lot of disability insurance work. I think that's an area um, where there is a lot of abuse by the insurance industry. If you lose an arm, if you lose a leg, uh, that's fine. They they can pay that claim because they can't really contest it. But let's say you have a back problem and let's say you're in constant pain and let's say you can no longer work or you need surgery or whatever. Uh, they're going to say, well, pain is subjective. You say you have pain, but we don't think you have pain. Our doctors looked at these medical records, and even if your treating physician says you have pain, even if the MRIs show all kinds of problems, degenerative disc disease, this and that, uh, not good enough for us, sorry, we're not going to pay it, go ahead and fight us. I think that's a problem. Long-term care insurance is another area of law. It's a big product in the insurance industry these days, uh, protecting people when they can no longer perform certain activities of daily living uh, and how the insurance companies define those activities of daily living, how they interview people, um, how they make their claims decisions. Um, we don't see a lot of litigation there, but the problem is we're talking about older folks, and often they just don't know what coverage they have, and they're more than happy to walk away from an insurance denial unless they have you know, a kid, a son, a daughter who's willing to advocate on their behalf. What else do we need to know in the world of insurance? Um, any, any tips, any tricks, any hints for us? The hints is, first of all, when it comes to getting insurance, shop it around. Find a good insurance broker. And there's brokers and agents. An agent represents usually one company. You're going to get that company's product. My state farm broker, my farmer's insurance, I'm sorry, my state farm agent, my farmer's insurance agent. You're going to get farmer's insurance if you go to a farmer's insurance agent. If you go to a reputable broker, they can survey the market for you. 
They can tell you what kind of coverage you should have and they can find the best deal for you. Absolutely shop it around. Insurance, as I said earlier, it's like a supermarket. Find the best product. You don't have to go to Whole Foods. You can go to Safeway. You can go to Trader Joe's. You can go to the dollar store and you can still get coverage that may work. Uh, when it comes to filing claims, don't expect the insurance company to just say, oh, absolutely, here's your money. Give them everything they need to pay the claim. Give them the pictures. Give them the medical records. Give them everything they need so you can say you've done everything you're supposed to do as the insured to get a claim paid. If you have to call a lawyer, you have to call a lawyer. I do not recommend filing lawsuits against insurance companies. The legal system takes forever and usually you're going to get pennies on the dollar. Uh, don't do it unless you have to. Sometimes the insurance industry gives you no choice. Sometimes insurance companies make very egregious mistakes. And if you have the right kind of lawyer, they will pay for those mistakes. Uh, but get insurance. It's a very perverse thing. I'm very skeptical of the, of the insurance world. I'm very skeptical of insurance companies. But we all need insurance. Life insurance. Term life, get term life. We've talked about this a lot, sure. Rob, you and I, over the years. Get term life and invest the rest. Uh, when you, depending on what age you're, you're at, depending on what kind of assets you have, depending on where you live, are you renting, uh, you know, are you renting in San Francisco? Or are you living uh, in Walnut Creek with a house you own? That's going to change the kind of insurance that you need. And on occasion, sit down with someone, read your insurance policies. You would be surprised by what's not covered. Read your policy. Read the exclusions. The law says you are charged with knowing the contents of your insurance policy. You can never say, oh, I didn't know. Ignorance of your insurance policy is not a defense. Thank you very much. It's David Lilienstein. You can find him at dllawgroup.com. It's dllawgroup.com. You can find me online at robblack.com. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.